Psalm 41, again, continues the theme of Psalm 38. David has now recovered from his illness, but, and he begins now to focus his prayer on his false friends and enemies who attacked him during his illness. He prays to God to requit his false friends and enemies as they deserve. And if you've ever experienced the hurt of false friends and enemies, Psalm 41 is for you. Psalm 41 is a prayer for requital. A prayer for requital. And we'll begin in verses 1 through 3 with compassion, complaint in verses 4 to 9, confidence in verses 10 to 13. Let's begin with David's compassion in verses 1 to 3. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive, and he shall be called blessed upon the earth. Do not give him over to the desires of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. David begins with a general statement in the third person. Blessed is he who considers the helpless. Now the reason for this is that God commanded his people in Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11 to care for the helpless, to care for the poor. And he's defined the poor as uh, those who are literally poor, uh, those who are widowed, those who are orphaned, uh, those who are immigrants, uh, those who uh, have uh, handicaps of whatever kind. Uh, and he goes through and says, those people who need help were to help. James applied that to the early church and to us. That, that, that injunction still stands. Because it is a sign of genuine faith. The person who fulfills that command is close to God's heart. But when the command is disobeyed, those who disobey it are subject to God's wrath. Take a moment to read Jeremiah 5, 28 and 29, or Ezekiel 18, 12 to 13. When there's a failure to care for the helpless, the people who fail to care, particularly God's people who fail to care, will be cursed. Now the promise of verse 1 evidences itself in the preservation and blessing on the earth or in the land. But negatively, this blessing manifests itself in that God will not deliver him from the desires of his enemies. So if we're not obeying God's command to have compassion, then my friends, you might as well get used to and expect God's hand of judgment in your life. He's going to give you over to the desires of your enemies. The greed of your enemies. They'll come in and take from you. Listen, you think you, you, you don't want to help. You don't want to care for the helpless. Well, I'm not giving my, what I earned, what I made. I'm not helping anybody with that. Well, guess what? Then somebody else will come and will take it from you. The tighter you hold on to it, the more it will slip through your fingertips. David says the Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. Now, David's directing his prayer here. You will sustain him on his sickbed. See, what David's talking about here is the fact that his former friends and family, uh, they didn't care for him. David became helpless. David was, it was sick. David needed care, and no one would help him. Well, guess what? They violated God's command. And because of that, now David's saying, the Lord supported me. That's what the word strengthen means. The Lord supported me on my bed of illness. 
God had the power to restore him to health, and he did. The Lord granted his power and his presence to the sick, as we see in verse 4, or we will see in verse 4 and verse 10. He was kept alive and blessed and delivered from his enemies and healed from the disease. Now, God doesn't promise us that we're, He does not promise us that we're not going to be sick in this fallen world. But He does promise us to never depart or leave us in our sickness. He will always be there to strengthen us, to support us in our time of illness. And He does that with His presence. Also, though, not only does, his, not only does He sustain us with His presence or support us with His presence, but it'll change our attitude towards the illness. Listen, he, he's never promised to remove every illness from us. But he does promise to change our attitude towards the illness. Now look at the complaint in verses 4 to 9. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die? When will his name perish? And when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehoods. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he tells it. And all who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt, saying, A wicked thing is poured out upon him. And when he lies down, he will not rise up again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David now makes this application of taking care of the poor, very personal. He says, I needed the blessing of God for the healing of my soul and body. I also need deliverance from my enemies. And notice that first he prays for mercy. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. See, David understands first and foremost, before God can deal with his enemies, God's got to deal with him. And so he cries out for forgiveness. Listen, if we've done anything, if we've committed any sin, before we deal with those who have sinned against us, we need to confess our sin to God. And get mercy, get forgiveness. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. That's where healing begins, with our relationship with God. Listen, Jesus forgave the paralytic before he said, get up and walk. Sin has to be first forgiven. Mark 2, 5 to 12. Now again, I want to emphasize, not all sin is caused by or causes all diseases. Okay, Sometimes disease happens because uh, we live in a sin-cursed world. So we want to keep that in mind. But it does mean that wherever sin has invaded our lives, we must cleanse it before the consequence of it can be removed. Don't simply cure the symptom, cut out the cause. And now David, having a right relationship with God, he now turns to his enemies, to his former friends, former family members who abandoned him, who turned against him, who did evil against him, who used the occasion of his illness and assumed that, oh, well, God's not blessing him. He, he's got this problem, that problem. They attacked him. They spoke evil of him. He wants, the, the, he wants them to be dealt with. You know, I'm sure as you're listening to this, somebody's name has come to mind. I have names that come to my mind. They speak evil. You know, you, you, you were great, you, you, were, you were so close and great friends and all of this, but, you know, something happened, they turned against you, but now they're out there and they're speaking evil about you. They're talking bad about you. They want his name to perish. That man, they're running David's name through the mud. Maybe that's what they've done to you. And, and notice, you know, it's, it's so true, what the, 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 they, they speak falsehoods. 
They go outside and they tell it. They tell it to everybody. Anybody that'll listen, they're out there running your good name through the mud. They whisper together against me. They devise my heart. They're planning evil for me. They want me to be a thing of ruin. They want me to be a disease, to be something worthless, a belial thing. Literally, his enemies were trying to put a curse on him. Man, I just, I just wish he'd get, you know, whatever. Even David's trusted friend. Now the phrase there in Hebrew, trusted friend, literally means my man of peace. This cat sat at his table and enjoyed David's hospitality and intimacy. He broke bread with David and he turned on him. Boy, is that not prophetic of Judas's betrayal of Jesus in John 13, 18? You know, much of David's experience here in Psalm 38, 39, and 41 parallels Jesus' own experience. And maybe it is similar to yours. Well, look at the confidence in verse 10 to 13. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are pleased with me, because my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and you set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Notice that in the midst of dealing with these wretched people, David has confidence in the Lord, and he pleads again for mercy. And David says, I, as I experience forgiveness from sin and freedom from illness, repay those who have plotted against me because my enemies are your enemies. And friends, you need to understand that. If you are in a right relationship with God, if you are pleasing to God, if, if you are doing and striving to do everything to, be, to, to walk with God and to please Him, then know this, whoever is your enemy is His enemy as well. And when God shows mercy to you, in essence, then, he must deal judgment or punishment to the enemy. Because your enemy is his enemy. By this I know that you are pleased with me. You know, my sin's forgiven. My illness is healed. Is, is healed. I know that you're now pleased with me. I know that, that I'm pleasing to you. And now his enemies are being shut up. They don't have anything to triumph in. They don't have, they don't have anything to shout about. Because God's favor is on David's life. You know, it's when somebody says, Oh man, God's going to get you. You're going to fall flat on your face. And then all of a sudden, you don't fall flat on your face. Instead, what does God do? God prospers you. God blesses you. God benefits you. God raises you up. And now, what, is your, what has happened to your enemy? They have had to shut their mouths. God has shut them up. And know this, God will bring them low. He will bring them low. As far as David's concerned, God upholds him in his integrity and restores him to divine favor. You set me before your face forever. And certainly that ought to be our desire, to be in God's presence forever. Certainly we know there's a day coming when we physically will be in his presence, but how about even now? Do you desire to be in God's presence now? And what I mean by that is to be in a right relationship Are you in a right relationship? And again, before we go any further and close this psalm, 
If you're not in a right relationship with God, you're an enemy of God. So don't pray for, the, for God to deal with your enemies if you're an enemy of God. You've got to get that straight. You know, look at James. You know, he talks about in chapter 4, you know, uh, uh, friendliness with the world is hostility with God. And so, friend, if you're listening and you're saying, oh, pastor, I've got these enemies. They're, they're speaking evil against me and they're desperately or trying to attack me and so forth. Stop for a moment. Before you pray for God to deal with them, and it's okay to do that, but before you do that, make sure you're not an enemy of God. Examine your life. Confess and forsake anything that's there that, 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 that is causing you to be hostile or to be an enemy of God. And when you're in his presence again, when you're restored to that right relationship, then pray. Pray that God would keep you as a person of integrity. Pray that he would keep you in his presence forever. And pray that he would deal righteously with those who do you evil. David is certain that his prayer is going to be answered. And so he blesses the covenant God. He says from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen, yes and yes again, he ought to be praised. And so as we think of Psalm 41, we see that God has acted on David's behalf. He's forgiven his sin. He's healed his suffering, his sickness. And now David's asking for healing and protection and deliverance from his enemies. He's also asking to remain in the presence of God forever. These are his expectations. These are, are his experiences. And I believe that these expectations and experiences should be the same for all of us. If God has delivered you from sin, and he has, if God has delivered you from sickness, and he will, my friend, listen. Continue asking for God's deliverance. Continue asking for God's protection. Continue desiring to be in the eternal presence of the Lord. And pray for requital. Pray for God to requit those false friends and those enemies. A final word about that. When we pray for them, we need to guard our heart. If our motivation in praying for God to requit our enemies is out of envy or anger or hatred or strife, then we best not pray that prayer. We need to make sure that we guard our heart, that we check our motives our prayers because you could pray that and if your motivation is wrong God could bring it back on you ultimately we pray for God to deal with them ultimately so that God or so rather that they would be drawn to God so that they would come to a place of repentance that needs to be our motivation God deal with my enemy deal with that false friend who's afflicted me, who has done me much evil, who, who, who lies about me, who gossips about me, who, who, who's plotting against me. But God, in your dealing with them, do it so that they might come to forgiveness, that they might come to repentance and be saved. That all not only will change them, it'll change us as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the Psalms are very personal that they are filled with the heart emotions of real people who are very much like us. Here's David, knowing the hurt of betrayal, the loss of friends, and praying for you to requit them. 
and much like we, also pray that same prayer. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to guard our hearts. I pray that, Lord, if you've forgiven our sin, and because you've forgiven our sin, because you're healing us from sickness, that now as we shift our attention to those who have despitefully used us, that, Lord, our hearts might be guarded against being angry or against hate or against envy or strife or jealousy or any such thing, that, Father, those things would not be in our heart. So, Lord, if they are, forgive us. If they are there, Lord, show them to us so that we can forsake them. And then, Father, when we pray for your judgment to come upon those who have done us evil, we pray not for eternal judgment upon them, but we pray for judgment in this life. So that, Father God, if it be all possible, you might bring them to repentance. That they could confess and forsake their sin. And that they could be restored to your presence. Lord, we pray that we would dwell in your presence forever. We pray that, Lord, uh, not only because you have forgiven our sin, but continue to forgive our sin. And, Father, should we stray too far from you or walk from you, Lord, gently, like that loving good shepherd, come out and get us, bring us back, and restore us once again to the beauty of your presence. We pray in your Son's precious name. Amen.